Hello. Good morning, church. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. So imagine this. It's March 2022, and you're well here. 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 Um, just outside of Cape Town, after being away from your homeland for over five years, after you've traveled for 40 hours with small kids. Then you get this text from your pastor saying, hey, do you wanna preach for the first time in your life? <laughs> there should be a whole set of language explaining the stages of processing such a request. <laughs> Bewilderment, confusion, honored, terrified, surprisingly creative and coming up with reasons to say absolutely not. Obedient, persuaded, privileged, humbled, and well, here I am. <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lanette, and I have been a member here at the Vineyard for over six years. I am married to a real good man, his name is Ben. Um, and together we are raising our wild and wonderful boys, Lucas and Peter. I am the other South African here, some of you know Wes, um, and just to clarify, we didn't know each other until we both attended this church. Um, English is my second language, which means I'm an Afrikaner, um, so my people were responsible for apartheid. So yeah, I feel personally invested in dismantling the evil that is white supremacy, which is a really good topic of conversation at parties, I imagine. I don't really go to parties, Does that, is that still a thing? Um, it would be very easy for me to give you a detailed, detailed list illustrating just how unqualified I feel to be up here preaching this week's sermon. But in an act of holy rebellion and resistance to the fear and the imposter syndrome and the lies and anxieties, I'm not going to do that. You see, in saying a very shaky yes to today, I have placed and secured myself fully in these two things that I'm holding on to be true. Number one, that God will never leave me nor forsake me, that he said he will be with me, holding my right hand. He is asking me to be strong and courageous, so I shall not fear. Number two, that our awesome, creative God can use this available immigrant, neurodivergent, stay-at-home mom for his glory. I absolutely cannot do this in my own strength, so will you pray with me, church? Father God, here I offer my full self, with my prone to wander and often troubled heart, my wide-eyed idealism, my physical body, my sometimes fragile mental state, with so much I don't yet understand, along with my stubborn hopefulness, do I declare these truths. You are a good father. You are more vast, more beautiful, more wonderful, more loving, more merciful, more personal than our limited imaginations could ever comprehend. But Lord, will you speak today and help us expand our hearts and imaginations? Will you give us a deep dissatisfaction when we limit you? when you feel safe and tame or far and impersonal. As I approach these sacred scriptures today, may you bring it all together to declare your truth, your goodness, your desire for us, your beloved children. I pray that everything else will fade away. Amen. So diving into this week's scripture, reading from Matthew 7, um, verse 7 to 12. 
ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Yay, I was given the most straightforward and easy scriptures in the Bible. <laughs> Glad I missed the judge not verse. Um, ask, receive. Seek, find. Knock, open wide the doors. The golden rules in there, come on, this <laughs> is gonna be easy. Yes, easy to say, but harder to live out in our day-to-day -day lives. Just like literally everything Jesus asks us to do, a few weeks ago, my oldest had the flu. It wasn't great as the flu never is. Um, so every night we prayed that God would heal him, help him feel better. He had missed so many days playing with friends, it was hard. After a couple of nights, he says, Mommy, I've noticed that I keep praying and I'm not getting any better. Why? Uh. I was reading through Scott McKnight's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount and this specific scripture, and he, respected Bible theologian, on the topic of unanswered prayer says this. I have no answer to the problem of unanswered prayer. Okay. So, he says some other things too, but this test takes the pressure off in answering my five-year-old and in preaching this sermon today. One of the first hurdles that anyone older than five knows is not everything we ask for we get. Some of us are still searching. Many of us know the pain that is being on the other side of a closed door. And I wanna take a moment here to honor that. There is space we can hold for that. It is a real grief that many of us understand. A loved one wasn't healed in time. A marriage not saved in time a deep sense of security lost, debilitating struggles with physical and mental pain. I see you, I am with you. Yes, these heartaches are true, and these promises will hold true. Some translations read, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. And let me tell you, as a mother of young children, I have learned a lot about asking and keeping on asking and keeping on asking. Uh, the sheer determination of a strong-willed child, mm, it'll preach. That kind of confidence comes from a secure attachment to their parents or unclear boundaries, but that doesn't really work with this message. <laughs> But kids feeling connected to their caregiver, they know they are loved and cared for, they know they can keep asking. So Jesus promises, everyone that asks and keeps on asking will receive. Everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking will find. For everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And I wonder if Jesus knew how hard it would be for his followers back then and even today to believe that without cynicism, disappointment, um, doubt, hurt, to believe that these promises are true. 
reading the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus asks us to do some really hard, seemingly impossible things. Who else reads through the Sermon on the Mount and go, well, that's out of my capacity. So in his compassion, he creates this vision, engages our and their imaginations of the loving parent. And I love that. So many things in the Bible usually require us to also have a, an understanding of the ancient and the agricultural context. Think of fishers of men, seed time and harvest, old wineskins, new wineskins, vineyards. But how timeless is the understanding of a loving parent? Even if you're not a caregiver, or if you yourself did not grow up with loving and safe caregiving, we all instinctively know that in a perfect world, parents nurture their kids. Parents want or should want what is good and beneficial and loving for those in their care. So referring to parents here, Jesus asks, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? It is worth noting here that um, bread and fish, that was a very nutritious, healthy meal. Probably why he used that to cater the 5,000 that one time. But a snake as a snack or a, or a nourishing meal, super not kosher. The modern equivalent of this would be if one of my boys were to come up to me and say, Mommy, can I please have a locally harvested, in-season, organically and ethically grown carrot? And I give him a cigarette. <laughs> it's unthinkable, you wouldn't do that. The stone and snake example would have done the same for his audience of the time. And I always imagine this part like it's these mean parents giving their kids like live snakes because they're so wicked. But now I understand that some kids truly delight in being given a live snake. <laughs> My kids have never asked for fish to eat, by the way. Here is maybe my most controversial statement so far. I'm a good mom. Lord knows I don't always feel that way, and I promise you I fail at that ideal daily, hourly. I might have yelled. We do not yell at each other in this house, like very recently, multiple times. Um, but by the pure grace of God, do I love those boys something fierce. I snuggle with them every chance I get. I listen to them talk about airplanes for hours and hours. Lucas overheard me practice my sermon and said, Mommy, did you just say airplanes? So just, we're, we're there. I read to them. I put broccoli on their pizza. I try again, by the grace of God, to raise kind and gentle, welcoming boys in a broken world desiring down in my core what is best for them. That a loving parent has this desire is not hard for me to understand. Jesus is using this image of good parenting to establish in our hearts and minds the very character of God. So when we find ourselves wondering why our prayers aren't getting answers, we can go wrap ourselves tightly in who God is. A God who is good, who cares, who knows what you need. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? It's interesting for me to learn about the meaning of good gifts in this context. Um, many have taken this to believe uh, spiritual gifts, and that this definitely highlighted when we read Luke's version of the text, and he says he will give us the Holy Spirit. 
Um, now, I don't have the training or the time to go into everything that good gifts aren't, but I like how N.T. Wright reflects on prayer, and he writes, but for most of us, the problem is not that we are too eager to ask for the wrong thing. The problem is that we are not eager enough to ask for the right things. So let us ask, how much more? Scott McKnight writes in his commentary that theology reshapes prayer. What happens to our prayers if we really do believe that God is good? I am convinced that many of us, while we affirm that God is good, and that God listens, do not act or care, or do not act as if God cares or listens. But Jesus wants us to see in this text that our God is a Father that really does care and wants us to ask. We must learn to believe that God is good and answers our prayers. As Ulrich Luz says so memorably, the certainty that prayer will be heard does not make it superfluous, it makes it possible. So yes, as a millennial growing up in a megachurch, I've had to deconstruct some of the prosperity gospel I have been taught. So I'm nervous about asking for abundance. I am skeptical in asking, how much more? But I see now that Jesus is challenging us to think, if we can comprehend imperfect loving parents wanting good beneficial gifts for their kids, how much more? If the God who created the heaven and the earth and the breath, the stars, the wonder that is the universe. Did you guys see these images come out this week? Just, oh, they're amazing. The universe that can't be um, measured in light years. When was the last time you thought of a single light year? Well, give us good gifts. Promises us his Holy Spirit, how much more? The God who created honeybees and thunderstorms and spices and chocolates to taste and see that the Lord is good. The smell of rain, the uniqueness of every human that's ever lived's fingerprints. The God of language and laughter who knows the amounts of hair on your head right now, this very second. The God for whom the trees will clap their hands, the God of newborn babies. The God who made elephants and whales migrate thousands of miles, who made puppies, volcanoes, mangoes. When Jesus says he will give us good gifts, we can believe that. How much more? So with these abundant images hopefully burning in our hearts, can we approach the throne room of grace? Can we, as in James 1 verse 5, come and ask for wisdom without hesitation, knowing that God, who loves us, will give us that wisdom? We can, as in Psalms 37 verse 4, find our delight fully in this God, knowing that he will give us the desires of our hearts. And oh man, when I contemplate the wonder and the beauty and the intimacy of this magnificent God the Father, my only desire becomes to be flooded with even more of him. The more I want to experience with my every sense, my life lift out these good gifts that he has for us. The more I am deeply unsatisfied by a world that is so broken by evil and unsatisfied by a boring faith life in my own life the more I can stand out to not cry out for justice for the vulnerable around me and across the world, and the more in my own life do I seek him to show up for me, my family, my community, the more I am moved to action, to pray down, live out on earth as it is in heaven. But in the words of the great theologian Bono, <laughs> I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
sometimes. I have been saved many times, as in gave my heart to Jesus, became a newborn Christian, many times. As a kid and a teenager, our megachurch's altar calls were very compelling. I was always in the front praying the sinner's prayer, bless my own earnest heart. But I still have that same desire in me today. I want more. I am still seeking after God. And I have had powerful touches from him. Miracles happen that can only be described by, as divine interventions. The words of the Bible leap out at me. I could hardly contain myself. How many of us know that wonderful peace of casting all our cares on him because he cares for us? Feel that peace, feel that relief to only know that we need to cast and keep on casting. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, he will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So I keep seeking. I love this quote by Desert Father Augustine of Hippo. He says, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts remain restless until they find their rest in you. And that's why I cling to these promises. Lord, will you satisfy this constant longing that we have for you? May we never stop. May we never just think, eh, I'm good, that's enough. For everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking will find. We will find him. Living out these scriptures became very real for me as I was preaching, as I was preparing for this sermon. Um, I have been thinking about this and praying about this for months. I was really trusting that if I should take this on, the Lord was going to just give me the words to say. I was just gonna sit down and he was just gonna like download it and like write it and it'd be like there. It'd be so easy. It's like this holy download, right? Um, but that's not how it happened. <laughs> It was a lot of starting and stopping and wrestling and writing and deleting, fitting ideas in between taking care of sick kids and solo parenting, staying up way too late. I have truly found myself needing to stay right here in this ask and keep on asking place. Why will you have me say, Lord? Is this from you? Is this my own lofty ideas? Does this even make sense? Constantly, doubt would creep in and try and steal away the confidence in his provisions. A lot of battles fought in my heart and mind, a text away from telling Marshall, I simply cannot do this. Nope. What I would come back to, and I even wrote it out to say it out loud, are things that are true. And I found myself truly having to bathe myself in that goodness, the caring character of God knowing that in preparing for today and in living out a life devoted to God requires us to stay connected to him. Now I know, you're just all on the edge of your seats wondering how I'm gonna bring the golden rule into all of this as we come to a close. It wasn't easy. Um, do unto others as you will have them do unto you. It is such a simple yet revolutionary concept there is so much here that we should deeply contemplate and I would encourage us all to do that. And depending on the translation you read, the golden rule doesn't really seem to naturally follow these verses. What I've learned is that some scholars believe that it's, uh, Matthew put it there to sum up everything Jesus has brought up, uh, taught up until this point. And that makes sense, right? Not murdering or slandering or lying or lusting unto others. I think of the dignity that it gives the needy person when Jesus says, don't be a flashy showboat giver. I think of the transformation that happens in our hearts when we put ourselves in our enemy's shoes. 
I do, however, want to focus on the application to these verses. What does it mean to ask and seek and knock on behalf of someone else? Again, I have experienced this as I was preparing. Friends and family have come around me in prayer and support. Friends in this very church praying for me and behalf of me when depressive episodes challenged everything I was holding on to. This week I received some specific and intensive prayer from Carol, Liz, and Nancy. You guys, it was powerful. It was such a beautiful time seeing these women just stand in the gap for me, ask and seek and knock on my behalf. We are not meant to do this alone, beloved. I would encourage you to take a time and reflect on all those who have done this for you. I think of my grandmothers especially. I know that those women, they spend every single day since I was born praying over me and for me. Thank the Lord for grandmothers. I'm so incredibly thankful for them and so many others that our good, good father has sent on my path. I am a stubborn, rebellious, wandering heart. Where would I be without these prayers? And if you need this, please do not hesitate to come to the front in ministry time or ask someone close to you. This is such a church value for us. Vineyard is really good at this. We're good at praying for each other, so don't be without that. Um, let me also ask you this. Who is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart to ask and seek and knock on behalf of? Do not grow weary in praying for others. Do not undervalue the immense privilege and responsibility that we have in praying for each other. So to sum it all up, when we know and feel connected to who God is, truly trusting that he is the most perfect, loving parent, we do not hesitate to come ask. We do not hold back knowing that we can ask and ask again. We can dwell here on the how much more as Jesus asks us to do. We can put ourselves in the way of wonder and beauty and his abundant love. From this place of receiving and finding and stepping through open doors, are we empowered to live the way Jesus calls us to live? From this connected place, are we empowered to do unto others in love and grace and empathy as we would have them do unto us? We cannot do this without his good gifts, without the Holy Spirit, his abundant love for us. We also cannot do this without each other.